Igawau acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother. And I am still Lil Silky. And welcome back to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. Start the timer for me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law and any subsequent re-releases of this podcast. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and non-descript. Say non-fungible. Non-fungible. Intangible. Uh, So, (laughs) let's talk about... Zack Snyder's Justice League. Okay, so we're not going to do the whole spiel because we are back and we're assuming you've listened to the last episode. So if you haven't, pause. This is just like the Snyder Cut. So don't listen to the first one. Just listen to the second one. Exactly. This is the, this this is is the, the true vision that we wanted. That we intended. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. What's the equivalent of 4.3 or like audio? <laughs> MB3 <aspect>? and WAV. <laughs> This film, this file has been compressed in the original codec that Nick intended. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. You got a guest. Welcome, my guest. Say hello, guest. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. All right, so we're back with Danny. Hi there. Hi, everyone. You're hanging in there, Danny. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good now. What's okay. our longest episode, Interstellar? Uh, uh, yeah, so this two hours. Two, uh, Interstellar was very long, over two hours, and I swore never again to edit a two-hour podcast. So here we are. We'll break it into two. So we're breaking into two. All right, where we left you, there was uh, we reviewed the first. Well, I mean, we just talked a lot about nostalgia, to be honest, and the way superhero movies function in society, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pretty insightful. And it was pretty good. Me. Yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely need it when you're coming in to this because. There's so much other things impacting this movie, so yeah, it's definitely. definitely point. This movie is about that. the movie culture, comic book culture, fan culture, all of that at the same time as it exists in a movie. And I think that it plays into whether you enjoy this or don't enjoy this actually quite a bit. And yeah, so we shit-canned the weeding cut in the last 10 minutes of that pod. Danny gave it a quarter of a star, a fifth of a star. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brutal review. Make sure you go check that one out if you haven't yet. Um, and yeah, so now we're ready to really talk about uh, Snyder Cut. Yeah. Um, I think let's start with like the, let's start with the 4-3 and the length. Let's talk about the film from a film perspective and those decisions that were made. So, Tom, as a, our resident film school student, what do you think? Yeah, so this was funny because it reminded me of Eyes Wide Shut, which I haven't finished yet. I did start it, though, just recently. And at the start of it, uh, the, there's a card that goes... Actually, funny story, I was watching this on DVD, and at the start of the film, it said, this film is presented in the way that Kubrick initially intended. So it's original crop, I don't know, in, better, in less words than that. And then I watched it and it was like widescreen. I'm like, hmm, that's pretty weird. I wouldn't have intended to do a widescreen. And everyone's heads are a little bit stretched. So I watched about 50 minutes of the film and I'm like, I feel like this TV has weird settings on. Checked it. It was stretching automatically to widescreen. <laughs> so it was supposed to be 4.3. But anyway, 4.3 is well and truly in as we have proclaimed since first reformed podcast that first we did reformed, a lot earlier. I'm thinking of ending things. What else have we done? Is, is that it? All we've covered so far? Cold War. We've watched... This is our fourth 4.3 film. Mm. 
And for a young podcast, that's got to mean something. Like, yeah, that earns us a, uh, a badge or something. It's a lot. It's, it's a big thing that's in. And it'd be funny coming to watch this and not being, you know... Yeah, not, not having, having identified with 4-3 culture. Yeah, because I was, I'm a big 4-3 fan, particularly from watching Cold War, I would say. I liked it in I'm Thinking of Any Things and... What was the other one I just mentioned? First Reformed. And First Reformed. I loved it in all of those films, to be honest. Mm. They're all films that I really liked. And, and I really Hampton music video, <laughs> historiography. And I really thought that the 4-3 was integral to the way those films look and the way they looked. And I'm going to say it again. I feel that same way about this film. I really like the 4-3. I think it slaps. Can I just say a hilarious thing about 4-3 is that... I feel like sensors on modern cameras are made to be 16.9 because everything is 16.9, right? So, 4.3 historically was a higher quality form of film because 4.3 meant you were taking up the entire um, sprocket, like the the amount of film that was devoted to capturing one image and then they would crop it to 16.9 afterwards or all other kinds of ratios because ratios... So, 4.3 is the original... Um, film look because that's how big the film was made to look and that's how big a TV was so then to compete with TV they made widescreen and Panavision and stuff like that so they just came with a bunch of gimmicks which were just different ratios right so anyway films crop in and that's what we currently exist with it's just hilarious to me that people who do 4-3 on digital cameras might be sacrificing some video quality that they actually had to make their image align with this thing that was supposed to be higher quality initially right that is funny yeah but yes, this film is in 4.3 and it's very noticeable, especially compared to the old one. Not just because, you know, your TV is not being used to its maximum potential, but because you just get a lot more shit in a 4.3 frame instead of a 16.9 crop. You get a lot more shit. Mm. Explain yourself. What do you uh, mean? <laughs> there's a lot more image because once you know that something is cropped in, you see that it's an artificial close-up, you know? The relationship between focal length and image is significant because there's a thing with cheaper cameras where there's something called micro four-thirds and it's a common type of sensor used in cheaper models. Um, so something like a, a Canon DSLR will be in four th- uh, have micro four-thirds, which means it crops into about one point... I think it's 1.2. It's a crop factor normally, 1.26 maybe. So every focal length... Because, yeah, this is technical film. But anyway... <laughs> So basically, wide lens make capture big image and wide area. When you go on a longer lens, which means a zoom lens, or so if you've ever, you know, when you zoom in on a camera, you're going to a, you're changing the focal length, which is the distance between the focal point of the lens and the sensor or the film strip. So where all the lights concentrated into a focused image, you're changing that relationship on different types of lenses. The longer lens you have, the more compressed the image is. So, the background appears closer to the subject. The other effect is that it affects depth of field as well because the wider a lens is, the more depth of field you get, right? Right. So, when you crop in, you get an artificial focal length effect where it's almost going, if you put a longer lens on, you're going to see less subject. If you crop in, you're also going to see less subject. So, you get this effect where something that was a mid-shot is suddenly a close-up. 
And th- that is sort of noticeable in this film because... You brought it home. It's made sense by yes. the end of the rant. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so instead of seeing Batman's entire upper torso, you are probably seeing just above his nipples to just enough headroom and it's a closer shot. This film, by being in 4-3, you're getting a lot more context. You're seeing the subject being the superhero against a bigger background. You're understanding how they relate to the world a lot differently. And as we highlighted in the first Reform podcast, Paul Schrader himself has said that 4-3 matches human shape a lot more because people are taller than they are wide, you know? Um, Your shoulders don't fill up the entirety of the frame. And what's interesting about, like, the Corridor Crew video said this as well, that superheroes are epic beings. So it sort of makes sense to put them in 4-3. And I think because they they fill up more of the frame, you see more of them. And comic book panels are actually closer to 4-3 than they are to 16-9. You're not seeing three images on one page. You're seeing like 8 and 12 and whatever, different fractions and stuff like that. But you're used to seeing them in a square context rather than a widescreen context, right? Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a homage to the comic strip Mm -hmm. and brings in that connection. What Definitely. do you think? Do you like it? I liked it. I don't notice as many things, but it's more like a subconscious notice. Um, when you were talking about the cameras and the qualities and stuff, I was thinking about like the, my art school days and being like, oh, yeah, small format, medium format cameras. I wasn't filming with analog. But, yeah, um, I just liked it. I don't have any of the technical it side makes coming it, from it, it. But the, the point is, it, it, was makes, just nice. it changes the feel completely. It makes the space bigger. Yeah. The people relate to their backgrounds a lot more. But it, it, for me, it also gave me a bit of reminiscing, almost like, ah, oh, yes, the good old days, almost. It kind of gave me that subconscious connection, not so much the technical, like, I, because I don't know enough It, it is about Zack that. Snyder as much, like... We heard someone, one of the videos we watched before, talked about how it's about him wanting to relate to the character's vertical movement, like them flying up in the air and stuff like that. But I think as much of it is about him having a vision and him being like, I'm directing the shit out of this, you know, I'm making it a 4-3, this is my vision. Like, it's a, it's a director or to a, you know... The other way do, that 4-3 right? relates to superhero movies is IMAX and Nolan's scenes in The Dark Knight... Mm which was shot in IMAX. I feel like that's an important thing that we can't specifically vocalize, but The Dark Knight has IMAX sequences and the IMAX ratio is different to the the widescreen ratio because they want to use all their pixels and they want to say, look at how big this film strip and quality is. So when you're watching Dark Knight at home and you don't understand this, there are just random moments where the crop is different. You're like, what's going on here? What it essentially does, as I've said a few times here, it's, it relates the person to the background. You know, they show Batman in IMAX in Dark Knight when he's in Hong Kong abseiling in, not when it's close-ups between him and the Joker and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, It's all just about going, here's a person in a space and look at them engage with the space. That's the key thing of 4-3, I'd say. Yeah. And so there's definitely a whole thing with the Snyder Cut about the feel of everything being different. The feel of a superhero of the Snyder Cut is miles away from the feel of a superhero in the Whedon Cut. You know, from from like I was talking about with the, the sequences being more extended and giving people, you know, like you really feeling all of it a lot more to like, you know, actually like Juggernaut, Juggernaut, why did I say Juggernaut? What's his name? Who is Steppenwolf. Juggernaut? With, yeah. Juggernaut's, Juggernaut's from, from Marvel? X-Men, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's an X-Men. X-Men. He's yeah. from Marvel. Steppenwolf being a completely different design 
and looking damn good in 4-3. He, his character looks a lot better in 4-3 when you think about it because he's got a tall head. So if you want to go to a close-up of him, you're either like cropping his headgear or you're like going so wide that it's kind of awkward. Yeah, he is very tall. He is taller than all the characters because he is an alien at the end of it. Um, it also, I thought that 4-3 really worked with the lengthier shots, like the mm. slow-mos. So you really got to mm. just sink in it all in and watch like Wonder Woman's hairs move and just watch her. Like it's the scene of her, like going out of the bank mm. that sticks with yeah. me a lot. Yeah. And all of that, I guess is, you know, emphasized by four, three. That yeah. scene specifically seems very important in the Snyder cut context. In my opinion, the Wonder Woman scene. Yes. Because in the Whedon cut, it's all just about going, hey, remember this superhero? She's pretty neat. She can do cool stuff. In the Snyder cut, it's kind of like, to me, it felt uh, emotionally weighted. It was, it looked very grey, very grim. And they were going, here's a group of terrorists who are going to kill children. You know, This I, is the I, world we live in. Yeah, yeah, I remember thinking it was kind of heavy. Yeah. Did Wonder Woman come... I, I've already forgotten. Did Wonder Woman come out before Justice League? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, yeah. they've got to show Wonder Woman interacting as a superhero in the 21st century because the Wonder oh, Woman Oh, yeah, no, 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 not... definitely. I was, yeah. It was like kind of like, yes, you've just watched her in the past and now you get to like remind her that she's still the same this good person that to. she was yeah. back there. And, and they like also... she is still popping over to London for the weekend. They also are things. contextualizing her relationship to the world because the little girl goes, I want to be like you. So it's obvious that Wonder Woman is a celebrity who saves people often. And, and this is the thing. So the weeding cut ends with the speech from um, Amy, Adams. Amy Adams and it talks about them being heroes. It's like this whole idea of heroes. But the Snyder Cut really is about the heroes, like the age of heroes and the old gods and then, you know, the, the fact that they're the new gods sort of thing that's implied. This whole epic field of every superhero not just being... You know, I the new saying, gods are a different like alien thing as well. Mm. But yeah, in canon, in mm-hmm. canon, there's the new gods, which are like almost like the Eternals or like the Celestials or something. It's their version. They are the new ones, and the old gods are the Greek. So they're ones literal and, gods. Yeah. Okay. Over outside. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, they are the gods. Um, well, they have injustice, this burden. gods among us. Yeah, they're mm. gods it because. Is. The, the other context, and I guess it's more human, to be honest, talking, like, idolizing people because they're going, here's this, ep-, and that's the other thing. They've drawn out the war scene where Dark <laughs> Seed was going to take, <laughs> take Dark over. Dark Side. <laughs> Dark Side was going to take over and find the, the math equation. And um, there's the huge battle scene, and they really play it up in the Snyder Cut. And I think the key point of that scene is going... Who's going to do it this time? And I think that's actually a modern relatable thing because that's going, you know, people, we're always trying to tie down who's the newest, who's the most important. Like, you know, NBA, they're going, who's LeBron after LeBron? In um, politics, they're going, who's the next president that's going to save us from this thing? Like, there's, it is a human storyline to be like, who's the best right now? Who's looking out for us? So this film touches into the, like, idolization of people looking out for the world much more than the other I one think does. It's a, and it does, like, what Snyder tried to do in Batman and Superman is this whole thing about Superman being a god, but we shouldn't have gods on Earth because 
they're, they're pow- too powerful to live amongst humans and they're dangerous and all that sort of yeah. stuff, which is what that movie was about, I think. But I think this movie kind of does it, really plays with the scope of their powers and what they actually represent a lot better than that film for whatever reason. Like this, which one, Batman vs Superman? Yeah, well, or this one, Batman vs Superman. Oh. This does it better, sorry, than Batman vs Superman. So in Batman vs Superman, Batman's whole agenda is that Superman is like, you know, too powerful, causes too much drama. No one deserves exactly. He's referee for the world. He gets to make all the calls and sort of stuff. Um, But this one seems to be playing with the scope. Really sells the scope of all their powers and everything. I think a lot better than that. You know what I mean? And it's through these these scenes, like that Wonder Woman scene, extended scene, that I think it does it. Yeah. I would say that is sort of a flaw of this universe to me. Humans don't matter in this universe at all. Like th- Batman sitting there was like representing them and being like, "Yeah, um, right but yeah, to, definitely." Right down to the hilarity of when they go, "We gave a box to the the uh, Atlanteans. We gave a box to the Amazonians and the humans, and then they toss it literally in a hole." <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else, like in a fortress, like guarded by amazonians and that and we're like yep yeah, we'll just stick it in a hole yeah it'll be fine i know it's like, we'll just forget about it and how then the nazis you- find it how much did humans contribute to that you know that original battle where he got kicked off the planet yeah what like, did they use numbers yeah. just a lot of people yeah like every you know they're like you know three amazon amazonian casualties about eight people from Atlantis died, and then like you know three hundred thousand like humans died because they have like no power. So at humans all. were in the battle. Yeah, it's but, kind like, of like a, it's on, sort of like, funny to I imagine mean, that like which humans were in this battle, and well, why has no one ever understood that this battle was a thing? Like people act like they didn't know that the superheroes existed, but they must have if there were ancestors that fought in the battle against. Dark. I've been thinking about that, and because. You know how Marvel has the connection to, like, Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, DC actually has a heavy connection to the Greek mythology, and that's why you get characters like Zeus and Ares, but also you get... When they refer to it as an age of heroes, they're actually referring to a specific story at a time, I'm guessing, I could just be guessing here, in human history, in mythological history. So, like, that storyline in the Greek calendar is between, like, 1,200 to 800 um, pre-Homer. Homer Homer is talking about the the golden age of heroes. That's an actual time in classical history where they are, like, coming up with these stories of Zeus and all these mythical things. So I guess they might as well, like, because we don't actually know if any of this was happening and if these heroes were true and if Troy was going on, we could just put alien battles in this movie like yeah. kind of in that area and kind of connected on with the amazonians because they're still part of they're a big part of this the atlanteans just still up there they're trying to chuck in the atlantean myth they're screwing a bit with like the historical timelines as well and like they are doing this weird blend of actual history and fictional dc stuff i, like I was that. just but thinking think about it while i was I watching it I, I thought they honed in on that a little bit more and they even timed it like um because, like, the Age of the Gods, I think one of the chapters was called something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And I was, like, sitting there fangirling at it because I was, like, I'm studying, I'm reading all this stuff from that period at this moment. And I'm just, like, ah, I, I've been looking at this and, like, I've been trying to understand the timeline of when this is all happening. Don't remember coming across Superman before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't remember coming across Steppenwolf in um, my classical mythology, but who knows? It could be the Minotaur. 
Mm. Yeah. Man, I'm having, yeah. a, I'm having a moment hearing all that. I guess I just forget that history exists, to be honest. <laughs> I, yeah. As we all do. My yeah. human clock goes Except back for to... <laughs> at earliest, like, I go back... Basically, I go World War Two onwards is the only stuff that matters to me. And like, I don't mean like I don't care about the other stuff, but the other stuff's just so Listen, difficult from to... you can't comprehend. Okay, it all I've got. Life. Okay, the earliest reference I get is Victorian era buildings in the 1900s and gold panning. And then before that, I got nothing. Like, <laughs> like there's the 1700s. There's the six. It, it's pretty amazing how many <laughs> hundreds of years there are. And the fact you've gone all the way back to BC where I they think, counted upwards in I think years, part of this is coming down in years. But all comics, everything is derived from history. Everything is inspired from history. And you can see that through superheroes, through Lord of the Rings, through Star Wars, through everything. Everything is inspired from the past. Nothing's original. Everything happened before. Except for Love Cut. <laughs> completely original plot, completely original characters. Well, I... that was a segue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Who, who segued to what? I can't remember where that's <laughs> Like, I'm trying to bring it back from Love Cup, but we can talk about that if you guys want to. Um, no. No. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> I actually want to focus some thought into the Snyder Cut because I feel like we're going to obviously miss so much doing it in one because it's a four-hour movie and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about whatever we can fit into this episode. Um, so I'm going to think about what sort okay, of... Okay, what do you want to say? I'm maybe, just thinking, maybe we all say something I talk, about it. I want to kind of so talk about the feeling... Of sitting down and watching it, and and like the whole, my one of my favorite parts of the Snyder Cut is the whole Amazonian stuff at the start. I think is like really good. The whole mother box, him coming out, you know, them fighting him, and just like how epic and kind of brutal that feels, is really well done. And even like I don't feel like I need to compare it to the Weeding Cut necessarily to sell that point because. I hadn't seen it before, but just watching that for the first time, I was like, this is really quite sick. And like him, like, you know, fucking flinging a horse away and getting arrows shot into him and stuff like that and snapping him off. It's just pretty damn cool, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. He like, by doing that, he put the stakes high at the beginning. We actually felt that urgency by having all those Amazonians sacrificing themselves and the hut building stone thing collapsing off into the yeah. sea i was like already because then you guys asked so how much how different is it i was like <gasps> <laughs> so different i was yeah. like because i remember that always stuck with me in the first one i was like so they've closed the door there's a hole technically up at the top so they can still get out of this and he's just smashed the door open so it's, all that whole dramatic scene of them like it is the worst decision i've ever seen it is so crazy dumb just cut them blocking the doors if you want to if you want him to walk out the side of the building it's the dumbest shit isn't it it was like so technically what did that slow him down Two seconds? No, it didn't. He, he went... <laughs> Two seconds? Oh, actually, it's closer if I just jump out of here. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the idea, guys. Yeah, honestly. and it's like the, the weeding cut... One thing that blows my mind is that it's less than two hours long. And I don't... I'm like, cool, if you can make a movie that less, that's less than two hours, really well done. And I'd prefer if your movie was less than two hours. But if it's going to be less than two hours and be incoherent, then make it two <laughs> hours and 15 minutes. Like, yeah. you could extend that by three minutes and that scene would be 10 times better. You know what I mean? Snyder I, extended it probably by 15 so minutes, weird. but still, like... It well worth it. It's so odd that that whole scene... Like, that scene doesn't play out properly. It just makes no sense. And then when I... I remember watching it and I was like, so this is what it was meant to be. Ah, this makes a lot more sense. Because mm. it just doesn't make sense. That's the key part. There's ideas there and you're like, mm, a bit weird. Not sure what's going on here. 
and their whole like chase to get away from him is sort of undermined because he catches up with them so quickly. Them actually having a fighting chance of getting away from him is sort of interesting, and then he's just like, "Nah, I got this." Actually, because I yeah. think in in the Snyder cut, you don't see him escape the thing, and then all of a sudden he just kind of like comes out of the sky, and it's like this kind of moment of like, "Oh." Doesn't he smash through a door? Yeah, he cuts a hole in the wall. It looks like a portal. I don't know. I can't remember. No, it 100% is that. Didn't you just see this like in a replay as well? Yeah, sorry. Wait, the Snyder cut? Are you talking about the Snyder or the Weedon? See, this is how bad it is. We've already forgotten. We're talking Snyder cut. You're saying how does he get back from Snyder cut? Oh, oh, he must jump oh, up the wall yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. But they don't show it is what I, my I don't point think was. So. He's just back. I okay, think they so just that's like what I'm saying. Us. It's a cool moment of surprise. Ha, I'm there. We yes, got him. Exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely saw him, you know, elbow his way out of the Whedon cut. Let's get, let's, let me do a criticism. <laughs> um, it's just like my issue with this film is it's still, sure they build up the suspense, but stuff still doesn't feel completely connected to me. There's no distinct time relationship between him chasing the mother boxes and how the characters' current lives are progressing. I think that there's just not enough tie-in to he's captured the Amazon Amazonian's box from Jeff Bezos and then he needs to go <laughs> he needs to go get the other boxes and the other like cuz they are setting up the world. So the first thing he gets is Wonder Woman and then the second thing, I don't know, I think you get Barry next and the Flash stuff going on where he's um, saving the, the... You get the... um, So, Superman dying mm. and all of that. Mm. And then the mother box awaking in Ning. Mm. Then you get... Is it the Amazonians or Batman walking in the I Alps? I think Batman is pretty early Going on. to Aquaman. Yeah, walking um, in the Alps. Then you have that bit. Then I think you have the Amazonians. Something like that. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. There's just the, the connection between situation and time isn't quite there for me because Batman's doing this thing where he's like, I think we need Aquaman. I haven't really committed to one yet. We, I think we need Aquaman and let's go there and have a chat to him. And then it's like, okay, this stuff plays out. And then it's like, I wonder what Steppenwolf's up to. And then we're like, okay, let's jump back to Flash. No. And then Aquaman jumps into the water and then fights thing. Like the, like I didn't, I thought that there wasn't enough of a map of how Steppenwolf is progressing. There's not enough, like I'm going here then I'm going to the Aquaman. So then there's there's not that dramatic suspense for the viewer where you're like, oh, he's captured... Like, you know that he's captured this one, so he's probably going to catch the next one. But I think he should have vocalized a next Aquaman's thing. And so then you're watching the Aquaman scene going, oh, Steppenwolf's got this guy next on his list. He just sort of shows up... Doesn't he do Aquaman. that, though? Because every time he goes talks to, like, the stone thing, that slowly turns into dark side. Mm, Doesn't like he maybe. do that? I just don't feel like there's... Yeah, and then it's like Flash is sort of relating to it and then Batman sort of is. I just think their paths don't diverge. Like, I think you needed either, like, Batman finding something going, i got to beat him to this location or something. It felt like the humans were always reacting, sort of, so that the, the, the timeline chronology didn't quite link up at the start. You're waiting for their time, their, their missions to intersect. I get that. I think yeah. that's kind of it playing like a TV show a little bit, you know? Yes. Is that... Question. Is that due to... The editing and like Snyder, or is that due to the fact that they're trying to do a team up so early on that they haven't built up all these characters beforehand? So they're trying to like shove too much into one movie so they can't make the storyline cohesive. Yes, I think because it is quite fascinating that this dude is completely set up in this movie. 
So that's what I think Snyder's cut is important and does a better job at. He's going, here's how important this villain is. Here's how dangerous he is. They do a gr- it does a great job of that, but it also isn't trading on there was a threat in the last movie. It's coming through in this movie as much. It's sort of implied that we're going to get the Justice League, but there's not a ticking time bomb. Like, uh, Wonder Woman's still doing her side stuff, but it's not like the villains she encounters have anything to do with Steppenwolf. Like, their worlds are just sort of progressing. The inciting incident is sort of broad. It's not specific. It's not like, hey, Batman, you're about to... Like, there's no moment where Batman faces him and goes, oh, Yeah, but shit, I will say, I'm pretty sure that what, that's what the other movie did. In Bruce Batman. Wayne's arc, I think he wanted to kill Superman and then he saw this other guy come and then went, oh, shit, I should not be fighting these people. I should be on their team. So I think it's actually like a continuation of his, his aim from the end of the last film. Yeah, that there are things, especially now because Superman is gone, hmm. how the hell are they going to deal with if a doomsday-esque character reappears mm-hmm. how how is he going to do that without the earth's greatest hero mm-hmm. my other he's not, issue he can't he's batman he can only handle gotham and barely my other issue relating to this is that i didn't think there was a good scope of planet or or world i think that one thing that marvel does neatly is like you jump around the world a little bit and you see how it relates to the different societies this one hardly relates to Gotham and then also there's like Icelandic people and like it's an earth threat but then they kind of set up camp in Russia but not really and they, I don't think they even they didn't even identify where that area was in, in the, the Snyder. Snyder yeah yeah so apparently actually trivia in the uh, original cut in Russia it was in Poland <laughs> so they shot the Russian scenes in Poland no they just said it was Poland in the Russian dub or edit because they didn't want to reference... I'm guessing because they didn't want to reference Russian nuclear zones and stuff like oh, that. Oh, right. So it's set in, in the Russian market. Yeah. It's that whole Russian family thing, Weeding Cut. Weird. I don't get it. Bad. Bad, weird. Not needed. Anyway, what do you think about the globe? I just have no sense of the globe in this film. I think that part of that is the fact that the DC world exists half in our world but half not in our world with cities that are like... Real, but also not real, right? Metropolis, not a real place. Chica- um, Chicago, Chicago, not a real place. Yeah, but that's what Gotham. Gotham is meant to be Chicago. Metropolis is meant to be New York. Star City is like what meant to be Seattle and Are there, like, Central City and all these other yeah. fake places. Um, yeah, they do actually make fictional places more so than Marvel. I'm cool with that, but we get. No- I guess my point is we get no human perspective at all. So it's a bit hard to contextualize this stuff. There's no news articles. There's like that's what they normally do, right? Yeah, and that stuff can get pretty tiring, boring yeah. as well. And know? I mean, I guess we would have gotten that stuff if Lois, 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 <laughs> Lois, <laughs> <laughs> if Lois wasn't really depressed because she would be working out. Okay, but yeah, and because I mean, yeah, when like I was whinging about how King Kong had so much human shit in it, and I was like, "What a waste of my time! I'm not here to watch that." So I mean, fair criticism, and in a four-hour movie, probably you could have given twenty minutes to it. But I also don't really. The stakes care that are much. a bit implied to me. But the, yeah. the stakes are, yeah, but they want you to worry about superhero, like superheroes being concerned about 
dying or like the world being destroyed. Like not people. I guess being... the other thing is that they're concerned about this villain, but they're concerned about an eventual showdown. Like they just don't have that bit where they get beat down and then like they go to the dark seed fight. No, sorry, the Steppenwolf fight. <laughs> You're really struggling. With I his thought name. that I was saying it right there. I promise. They they go to the Steppenwolf fight. <laughs> How is it hard though? In the sewers, right? And they don't really lose, but yet they're sub- they're also kind of like we lost and we need Superman. But they always wanted Superman. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, there's no beatdown, and I, maybe I'm talking to convention rather than like good filmmaking. But it is a little bit weird to me that they don't completely get the shit. But, this, but I mean, mm. he did just take out all the Amazonians, and he did just take out a good chunk of Atlanteans as well, and. And then they did kind of get defeated there. I don't know. I feel like they did get beat down a little bit. And it was getting to the point of, especially once they started, did, was it that they started really realizing having the visions of Darkseid and they were like, oh, no. Mm, yeah, oh, no. Well. Oh, no. Like, this is one thing trying to, like, beat down Steppenwolf. It's another thing if Darkseid comes along. That's going to, we're not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. It's definitely not structured like a film. And I think, you know, the epilogue really <laughs> shows you that. Because <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but also, like, I don't know. It's part of the fun of this film, I reckon, is the fact that it's just scenes on top of scenes on top of scenes. You know, it, it's like a t- it is like a TV series. And also, like, I'm kind of just like, yeah, I'm going to let... You know, if you're committing to sit down and watch a four-hour film, I just, like, I'm committed to letting Zack Snyder kind of take me where he wants to take me. You know what I mean? And not questioning it too much. Because... It's funny, like, I remember, like, the first time we paused and thinking, like, I thought we were deeper into the film than we were. But then I feel like there was a middle part that went really kind of quick and then it was over already or something like that. Not that the first part part dragged, but I think you'd kind of fall into the flow of whatever's happening where you're just kind of letting it all happen. Because, like, at some point they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to give Cyborg his backstory. And that's, like, the movie just parks it for a second and you go through all of that, you know. So it does feel like a TV show, I guess, where they're, they're not afraid to, like, go down a rabbit hole for a significant amount of time without worrying too much about what else is going on you know and I kind of was there for that I enjoyed like it was so different to what I had been consuming and watching so I was enjoying the bit of the um, almost art house attitude with it and I don't mind not having like the human connection because I'm not there for the human connection I know that like we I live on this earth technically (laughs) (laughs) like I know that I was like I'm not here I'm here to see Batman I'm here to see Superman. I'm here to see Cyborg. I'm here to see Aquaman, like Wonder Woman. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here for like the Russian family. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I definitely didn't want that. I guess I don't, I don't really understand. I think they could have played up Batman. I think that's how you do the human side a little bit more. Batman is a little bit motivated without like emotional motivations. He's sort of just like, I got to get the team together. I think that's what, I mean, it's probably a failure of the other film not giving... Like, I think in Zack Snyder's mind, that's these sort of questions are like things he worried about in previous films and there's ones that's all about the Justice League. And so if that didn't translate to you having watched those, then I guess that's the flaw of those films more so. I don't think he's trying to do any... Like, he's kind of aware he's not doing that in this film, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah I think he's just going into this film just being like, I am not trying to make a... Co- coherent sequel i'm it's going to be a sequel so we'll have that but i'm going to try completely new different method of trying of form because the other couple the other ones have failed so i should just go for something completely different Mm -hmm. 
and go for that. And that's what Snyder Cut is. It's just trying to break away. And the Snyder Cut has been the most successful, like critically. So, hmm. the Like, you know, we're reviewing this a couple of weeks after it's come out now. So it's like we are well aware that the reception has been pretty good. I mean, it's, it's gone as well as they could have hoped it could have gone, right? So, like, what does that mean? Ah, oh, well, <laughs> well. On one hand, like, what happens now? And also, like, what is the significance in a more general way? Like, what happens with the universe? And then what, what does this mean for, for superhero movies? Predictions, right? Yeah. Do you want me? Okay, I think hopefully this is optimistically because this could all not happen and people fail at it. I think they will try and explore a bit more of the dark side and not bother with the humour and try and stick to a more creative brand of superhero instead of sticking to the Marvel recipe. I think they'll also have a bit of individual... Each movie will have, like... will be allowed to try out new things if they want to. And I think now we're at that point where we don't people are just going to accept the fact that DC is not going to be like coherent stylized. It's not going to be stylized and in a cohesive way that Marvel is. It all looks like it's part of the same world. It's just not going to happen. Um, On the larger scale, what they've done here, I think this is just going to, this is opening up so many doors because it's first time that fans have finally gotten a movie out. So I think a lot of other movies, this opens up a precedent for them to re-edit old movies like that are already pre-existing. Like I always think about like the Star Wars, the newest Star Wars movies. I hate them. Remember those two mo- when I said, I think there's only two movies in Nerdin that I hate more. Yeah. It's the last two Star Wars movies. Mm. I cannot stand them. They can go back but and re But whose vision? Them. Whose vision are they restoring? It's not J.J. Abrams. It's not Ryan Johnson. Who do you um, want to hem them? Yeah, those ones are very, like, bad. But I think at least they make... can bring in back Anakin and actually make it, like, you know, the rise of Skywalker and yeah. make it, instead of butchering the whole chosen one, Anakin storyline, and then all of a sudden just making it Palpatine's clone granddaughter. That is a movie they probably could fix. Yeah, I'm the like, because one. they're doing yeah. this, and especially now because of streaming service, what but is who? stopping but them? Who's doing it? Who's hmm? going who's gonna to fix it? Disney. But, like, but, but Disney. It would have to be Abrams. But it needs... Because Abrams was complaining that there were foreign voices about... Because there was Kathleen a huge Kennedy. thing about a certain country. They were concerned that they couldn't show ghosts because of this country. Ah. <laughs> country we don't name, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, and there was also... There's tons of, like, different things that they didn't do because things didn't mar- wouldn't market in other places and just... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Release the Abrams cut. Is that what we're saying? Mm. It's, but it's more about like the precedence, whether or not this is about a Star Wars movie. But now that you have them on a streaming service, and this might be, this is going to be the new way of doing things. What's not stopping people from like re-editing movies and then putting them back on the streaming service and then advertising them? This can change and become the new so canon. Because yeah, they always almost started doing that with Star Wars. They re-edited some mm. of the stuff in the original ones because yeah. he always wanted it there. But now he's like, I didn't have the technology, but now I've just added it in. But to, to, to be, you know, see, like obviously that's true and it's exciting. But on the other hand, given our conversation we had on the earlier episode, it's like, well, that's actually kind of just buying into the fact that 
we're accepting that these are all these are our types of films now. And it's like rather than being excited about something new, we're going to be excited about something else, something old being better than it was or being like a better version of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, isn't there an argument also to be made? But it's like, okay, or we can just let it die and we can make a, a new film. Someone can yeah. come up with a new idea that's really yeah, good. Yeah, but people don't like remakes of it. And, and that's money. I'm not saying even a remake. I'm just saying like we're talking about creative energy ah. and studio money. It could be a dangerous precedent. As Nick, I think that's what you're highlighting. It's a precedent. It can... Have a lot of good and also a lot of bad. Yeah. So it'll just be different at the Because obviously the the, people care, like, you know, we, you know, you care about Star Wars enough that you want, you know, it means so much. And that goes back to what we were talking about in the other episode about like how these things all mean stuff to us. And that's why you would even bother to, to care like about signing a petition and creating a movement and stuff like that. It's because you want it to exist and you want it to be right, you know. So that's kind of... But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but we also should, as we shouldn't get too hung up on things, on things that have, on mistakes. <laughs> Just let right? it go. And we should move on to new things is also what I'm saying as well. Like, it's weird because like on one hand, we've got like, yes, but we want more content of, more superhero content, but also we want better old content that we've just had as well. Yeah. Mm. It, it's still a lot cheaper to do a $70 million re-edit of Justice League than to reshoot Justice League at the end of the day. Mm. That's still hundred and two hundred and thirty million dollars cheaper than the original shoot. So yeah, it'll be interesting what that does. And it's like, yeah, I I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I you know love going to see new Star Wars when it comes out. And obviously, I was very disappointed with how the new trilogy went. Uh, my hot take is I don't think it's a terrible standalone action adventure film. <laughs> I think it's terrible in the lore, and I think that the whole post cool sequel trilogy. Trilogy achieves nothing at all. Well, and that's, that's the incredibly point, depressing. Right? Yeah. The fact that the characters have no arc at all. But my hot take was always that I thought that the sets were pretty good. I liked the little mission, like the, the scene to but scene. But this is what I mean. So why isn't it just a different movie that you can enjoy on its own? You know? Yeah. Why not just make Rise of Skywalker? Like, I also don't like Force Awakens. So I don't know. Am I irking you in different directions here? I told. I don't mind Force Awakens. Too I many just Dutch tilts for my liking. Just I remember during lockdown, I rewatched Star Wars: The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, hmm. and every ten minutes, I was like, I just hate this movie. I, I just hate this movie. Yeah. You're gonna rewatch it and you're gonna hate it. It's yeah. just it was especially because I remember always just hating the middle one but I didn't hate the last one as much because I thought it redeemed some of the things. And then I actually sat there and thought about it and was like... But people hate The Last Jedi because it betrayed Star Wars. It betrayed what they believed were all these like things that were set in stone about Star Wars, right? And it kind of felt like someone coming along and changing the things that... I couldn't remember what the reception was ultimately because people liked it as well, didn't they? I mean, to be honest, I, I remember seeing it... They got good and bad reviews. I remember seeing it and enjoying it. It so. was... <laughs> but then I remember... Because... Yeah. Everyone was just so like, oh my God, this, everyone was like, because the previous one was so bad that even though this one was not good, it was just marginally Wait, better. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Was people liked Last better. Jedi though. It was a thing. I know some people liked they it. They got good reviews on stuff. Because. They're like, it's a fresh, fresh breath into I was the about to say, Star my Wars. old manager, we used to argue at this at work, my old manager and I, he was always saying it was a sci-fi movie it was a pure sci-fi movie that they were going off in a storyline and i was thought about it in context and 
he is correct that it is more of like a deep exploration, but it's an episode. It's not a standalone movie. Mm. It can't be a standalone Star Wars movie. It's a small episode because even like the duration of that movie, what, what, how long did it actually take over? Seven hours? Like, which I think is cool in theory, to be honest. Yeah, like, which is really like interesting. The idea of a one movie. But this is the thing with doing like, and this is it's just one of the reasons why that those three movies are at best incidental to the actual Star Wars universe you know, with what they accomplish and the grant and the story that they actually cover, you know, they're not, they don't add anything to the universe. Yeah. They're just a nothing. Yeah, they don't. And that's my main problem with them, I think. Yeah. My main problem is that it was that it was the Skywalker saga and the last movie literally tore it down and was like, it's actually not about Skywalker Skywalker. in, in name and brand and only. And they only did that because they didn't want to change the title, but, They've changed the storyline, so then they just chucked in the one awkward one line at the end of it. I'm, what's your name, Ray, Ray Skywalker? But that was their conclusion to fixing. So, yeah, and it's that. funny though because like bad. other, I've seen like scripts. You know, you have stuff pop on your Facebook or whatever, and it's like so and so's version of the script would have been completely different. And you open it and you read, and you're like, wow, that sounds so cool. And this is like what the kind of whole Snyder Cut sort of vibe is, where like it's so easy to reflect on like and think back about different stories that could have been better or different things that could have been better. And then there's also the huge part of it that is like making an actual film that people can well and truly fuck up in a million ways beyond coming up with a good story. Mm. Cause like mm. Batman versus Superman, cool story. Good idea. You know what I mean? Like I remember being G'd when I saw that happen and then it didn't turn out to be an amazing movie. You know, like there's, there's so many things that are at play even if we're not talking about external pressures, like just making a film isn't easy. Making a good film isn't easy. And having you know? a style and having a look and, and like I don't, camera shots. And so and like I don't know the background to the new Wonder Woman, but everyone shit cans the new Wonder Woman, right? And it's the same director, you know, same cast or whatever, and they've just made a movie that's apparently not as nearly as good as the first one. Like, what's you know, you've got to make a movie every time. You don't it's not that easy. You have to sit down and make a film and take everything that comes on with that as well. You yeah. Know? She tried a new recipe and made it a bit corny and people were just like, it's a bit jolting. Have you seen from- it? Yeah. And what do you it, reckon? Um, it, it, won't, it weren't good. It wasn't good. Um, I loved the aesthetic of it. It was the really colors. fun. Yeah. The, the colors posters were great. Some, the, like the posters? are some good damn poster. good movie posters. Yeah. But I wasn't, I don't like it when they try and put too many villains in it. I like one villain Per superhero, even though technically in Batman vs Superman, you can they had to. I didn't like that party that I didn't like that they had Doomsday and Lex Luthor. It took away from it. Mm. Um, and it this movie had two villains, and I was like, you should just dedicate it to one because both of them are half baked now. Yeah, and they were trying to make it corny and some of the things that she was saying, and it was just. I do you like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure straight away if I liked her, and then I warmed up to it, and I was like, "No, nope, her portrayal is pretty good." I, I wasn't. I'm not going to say I was all for it at the beginning. I was like, "Interesting, not the woman I would choose." But who but is she the, who is the woman you would choose? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was because at that time I had been watching like a lot of. Um, I'd been watching and playing a lot of um, Injustice, so I was really picturing like. A super ripped Wonder Woman. And I was, and like my entrance onto her was 
Giselle. Very like supermodel, very thin, very beautiful. And I was just like, I don't know if this will work. And then it worked. So yeah, I liked her. She's good. She has like, she embodies the like, she looks powerful. She sounds powerful. She sounds like Wonder Woman. I agree with that. Yeah. What do you think? Do you like her? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to disagree with Danny or Pod. Nah, she's okay. I don't know. She does all of her acting above the brow. Like, all of her acting is eyebrow expressions. And I don't know. She, she's okay. She's just... I feel like they could have gotten a more charismatic Wonder Woman, is all I can say. It's a bit funny with casting your big superheroes because you, you want to cast someone who's like a little unknown, not unknown, but yeah, like... Yeah, you want it to not be a, their definitive role. Yeah, sort of. exactly. You need to make them a star off this sort of thing. They can't be too popular. Ben Affleck, I mean, we talked about Ben Affleck before. I like, I like Ben Affleck Batman. I think, yeah. I think Sorry, he's... Continue. Like in the Snyder One thing cut, I didn't like about the Whedon cut, actually, showing Batman in half Batman outfits. You know what I mean? Like they showed him at times where he was in the suit without the cowl and the cape and it just looked a bit dumb. Yeah. You know? But I, I, yeah, I think And then he's... his voice, okay, we haven't talked about his voice, just yeah. quickly. They pitch shift his voice in the original one, which doesn't make sense because there's no... He's not, he's not... It's a piece of he's fabric not Steppenwolf. on him. He, it's not even, he's not Steppenwolf, he's just a guy and you can literally see his mouth. So why does he have like two octaves below him saying every he word as like well? He has like two octaves, isn't yeah. he? Like he's doing the two... It's bizarre. Pieces. Anyway, keep going, sorry. Ben Affleck. What was Batman. I saying? Oh, okay, so he's obviously a big celebrity, but generally they try and cast someone who's like on the way in as opposed to, but I mean, it's not always true, I guess, but I think that's what you want with your main tentpole people or whatever. Jason Momoa was cast off the back of Carl Drogo, um, right? Season one of thing. Gang of, Gang of Thrones. <laughs> Season one of Game <laughs> of Thrones. He's making you think of Dave or Popo. That's why you're saying that. Yeah. What? <laughs> Gang of Thrones, maybe. Like season one of Game of Thrones was a while ago. What's he been doing in between, you know? Aquaman. Aquaman. But Aquaman was... Game oh, he had a like TV 20... show, Frontiers or something on Netflix. Okay. He was in ads. He was in a Super Bowl ad last year. He's doing stuff. He has kids. He's I, happy. I like him. Yeah, he's, <laughs> like, he's, he's he looks like a wholesome guy. He's at Comic-Con. That's what he's doing. I mean, that's what they... You know, like Aquaman is like one of those comically lame superheroes and they, they pull off making him cool. So, like, I think they deserve props for that, I would say. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know who I'd have as my Wonder Woman. Because... I think she's good. I think I think she's really good. Yeah, Yeah. she sold me on it. I'm in. Okay. (laughs) We don't disagree on everything because I thought Ben Affleck was a good embodiment of it. I just thought his script ruined it, and his sour face. Yes. Yes. I was like, when you're Bruce Wayne, you're meant to half look like you're enjoying it. Okay. Yeah. Like you're not meant to look like you're just always sad that you're a billionaire. You're meant to be like. Oh, yeah, I'm loving this. I'm a billionaire and I'm also a little bit drunk and a playboy and don't really take my board meeting seriously. So, like, people, like, that's part of your disguise. So, like, everyone's going to be like, yeah, there is no way that Bruce Wayne would actively choose to spend his nights dressing up as a bat and going to fight crime. Fist by fist. Like, he would just not be doing that because he could be at home. Mm, yeah. With models on a pile of money, <laughs> loving life, you know? Yeah. So that's part of his illusion. So his Bruce Wayne wasn't as good. Yeah. And Bruce Wayne, you need to sell your Bruce Wayne. That's a good point. I like it. He 
He's Batman. He looks cool. I like how he puts on the bat goggles as well. I find mm. it humorous because it's like, surely they're baked into the suit. I think they <laughs> if do. If you have to keep putting attachments on top of the bat suit at some stage, it's getting a bit too much, you know? I think they do a good job of making Batman's fighting not seem as worthless as, as it could be. In the Snyder Cut particularly, like there's scenes of him shooting aliens, like sniping them on the top and stuff like that. And I thought they were pretty cool action scenes. Because he does kill one of the, the demon bugs by like just swing kicking it and then it carks it and calls it a day and it's like... Come on, yeah. like one woman cut the other one in half and like Superman's punching them to holy hell and then Batman's just like, <laughs> yeah, let's talk action, I guess. Like um, the, the Whedon one has no action sequences worth remembering or whatever, I don't think personally. The, I was talking about how I like the Amazonian one. I like the end, you know, I, I was canning like the whole CG sort of vibe of DC final acts, the final acts in DC films, but I thought the end one in this was pretty cool and it felt kind of like, you know, full on. And what I did like is how Superman comes back and kind of like just dominates. I thought that was a cool touch as opposed to being like, you know, they bring him back from the dead and he's still got to struggle, but it's like they spend the whole movie talking about how much they need Superman and how strong he is. And then for him to come back and actually just fucking tear it up is kind of cool, I mm, think. Yeah, that yeah. was good. It was good seeing Superman in the black. At full power, I will not forget when he like just steps in front of it, and the, mm. it just shh, like it just doesn't go through him because he is the man of steel. Yeah, and just making it into the ice and just breaking it and just showing his full power because half the time, like Superman, every time he is fighting, he's holding back. You will never see like it's very rare to see. F- Superman just go full out at someone. He's always holding back because he knows if he lets go, he'll kill everyone. Hmm. And that's, it was nice to see him actually like toe that line of, oh, I can actually let go a little bit more with you. And that was fantastic. And I also noticed that a lot of the best part, a lot of the good action parts that I liked in the Whedon cut were actually Snyder cuts, mm. were actually Snyder's work. And I was like, mm, of course yeah. it was. Of course it was. Well, the eyes, that was good. Yeah. And it, so, like, they have a, in the weeding cut, Superman, like, blows. So, the way that Steppenwolf dies is they have this weird thing where the bugs smell fear, which <laughs> I was winching to Tom about. It's like, I, whenever they do, like, oh, you know, they can smell fear. I just hate that shit. It's so lame, you know. And so, they set it up from the very start that Batman makes this guy smell, like, get have fear so he smells and then the bug comes and then batman kills the bug like it's batman thinking you know playing 4d chess or whatever all for it to come back at the end and the bugs to kill steppenwolf um because they smell fear on him or whatever you know so dumb i hate it it's very it and also that scene reminded me of the lion king yeah. <laughs> and anyone else I was watching this, I'm like, this is a cheap version of The Lion King with the <laughs> hyenas eating Scar at the end. Like, mm. Mm, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. In comparison, the way that they kill him in the other one is damn cool. Well, and there's your narrative progression because it's like, okay, the first movie is about getting Superman back. The second movie is about someone stopping Superman, obviously. You know, that's how they ramp up the villains. You mean they, for they, Justice League 2? Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a scale model right there. By not by making Superman struggle against this guy and then eventually overcome them. And you just go, okay, if the bad guy's going to win, they're going to have to stop Superman, and that that works. The way all these movies end up 
working is focused on Superman out of every... Like, Superman's the main thing, even more significant than any villain could ever be because, you know, you're, you're dealing with Superman being too strong and then Superman dies and then he comes back and then now, obviously, they're hinting towards Superman going crazy being the thing and Superman turned into a baddie because Lois dies or whatever. It's all about, like, this guy is literally invincible and how can we make that create tension here and there? So it's it's a pretty cool way to be doing it, I think. All the kind of teasers towards the dark universe. What's the other universe? The Injustice. The so injustice. that's the Injustice storyline where Superman goes bad because the Joker tricks him into thinking that he's fighting Doomsday, but it's actually Lois. And they actually, and not just Lois, a pregnant Lois. So I was freaking out when they opened up the drawer and they saw the mm. pregnancy test and I was like, oh. Pretty, They're already doing it. Pretty dark, pretty cool thing yeah, to be setting up. Yeah, and that just sends him off. And then it, the world is just dominated by him and he just puts in a certainty and like just goes through the Justice League and it's like, you're with me or you're not. And if you're not, he, he'll kill them. And it's just his reign of terror. And that's what Batman's dreams, hallucinations, bad dreams, whatever they are, that's what that is. And that's what... Yeah. Why Mera and Deathstroke and all those other people were together at the end of it, teaming up. Because, and that's why the Joker is just like in the stray Joker, joking about this all because it's all his fault. What do we think about that last scene? It's interesting. I think they just did it because he's like, hey, we got this much leash. Let's do what we can and make the fans excited. So it's a good marketing point in that sense. Mm. And it's pretty exciting because it's almost like making a movie without making a movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You don't have to make it, but you can just hint like, hey, this is what I was going to do. You yeah. know what I mean? It was going to be sick. But the movie <laughs> sort of exists in your imagination now, which yeah. is mm. kind of powerful. You know, the yeah. fact that you go, oh, there's a sand plant where they have to trudge through all these barriers to get through. Mm. That's what they kind of set it up to be like, where they would have to infiltrate the city without catching Superman's awareness or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's cool that I like the Jared Leto piece of this, that he was like, came up back on board for this shoot. I think he wanted to redeem his reception of the Joker because his one was like negatively. Wasn't there the thing that Jared Leto was meditating in a 45-day retreat or something like that when COVID outbroke? Yeah. That, that he didn't actually know COVID, happened. He didn't know COVID had happened because he was, yeah, in a like no cell phone 45-day yoga retreat or something like that, which is the most Jared Leto thing you've ever heard in so your life. So it's hilarious to think that he was like, Came out of that, went home, and he's like, oh, how am I going to kill my time? And then Snyder's like, hey, man, come on set. Let's shoot a few more shots anyway, okay? And then... Yeah. I don't think the scene entirely works. It's a bit weird. I feel like if it's a scene that I would probably enjoy if it was actually in a movie as opposed to being tacked onto the end of it. I'm cool. I think it's cool that it exists, but like... I'm glad it's there. But that epilogue just goes and goes and goes. It's like... It is there's that. 20 minutes. And then there's Martian Manhunter. And then there's... There was another one as well. There's the Deathstroke thing with Jesse Eisenberg gets out of prison. Mm. Oh, yeah. See, Martian, Martian, Martian Manhunter was really cool because he is one of the OG Justice League members, the only one now that they haven't, that they hinted at, but that was in their flashbacks about Green Lantern because I think when I first heard about the movie coming out, I was quite surprised that they didn't incorporate it, but maybe it's just... Martian or Green Lantern? Um... Green Lantern, because Martian Manhunter, I don't know, traditionally just doesn't get mentioned as much because he's... Green Lantern's, like, a big enough, a big name. Like, yeah. He's a guy you knew from he's... before they made a film about him. Like, Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the core members before Cyborg as well. So I was just like, wow. Well, it's 
you know, I obviously like well. uh, it's got to be a rights thing or a reaction to the fluff yeah. of that movie, right? It so definitely that movie is. Oh. Uh, at least reception wise. You it, know? Yeah, it, it did not. The hilarious well. part is the fact that everyone it. was like, the chemistry between him and Blake Lively was so stiff in the film, but in real life they're actually married. Like, <laughs> it's because they weren't together during that, so they were probably just all. It's like sexual later. tension, so they didn't actually know how to act together. Yeah, yeah I just remember the big man with the big head, and then there was also Sinestro. Um, I don't know. I like Green Lantern. I think it's cool that he has like his ray powers and has big. He's a, I bet he's a cool character, and the corpse. how does he relate to the Green Hornet, or does he not? He does nah, different, different. Um, what see, is the Green Hornet? That's just. Different. That's. I think that's Marvel. Seth yeah. Rogen. <laughs> but um, I'm actually not a fan of Hal Jordan. Okay. Because yeah, there's like two famous Green Lanterns, right? Yeah. Um, John Stewart, which is the host of the Late Show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure his name is John Stewart. I could be wrong. Um, but he was in the Justice League animated TV show in 2002 and Justice League animated uh, unlimited. Yeah, that one as well. And he was fantastic. He is a much more likable Green Lantern because Hal Jordan is a bit of a douche. He also ends up killing, like, the whole Lantern Corps at one point and just, like, going this whole – and then going dark and then being a really douchey boyfriend as well. Mm. And, yeah, he's not likable. So I think they should just abandon Hal just completely and just go for, like – the other one they would do that now though yeah that's the thing is there's so much you can draw from like you go hey look, we need to use the green lantern name like what do we want to pick from you can pick for the best you can literally just take the best stories you can take yeah. the one that hasn't the been used as well that's yeah. how you keep releasing movies in a world where yeah and that's the whole good thing about like the lantern court the green lantern is just because you have a ring it's not specifically the person in it it's not like it's not connected like Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. One, it's not that way. It's just a ring. One thing I always find interesting about um, superhero adaptation stuff is that they have so much stuff to draw from, but they also have the option to make their own stuff. But they also, And then the other one that fits into that is drawing from stuff that's recent. So the fact that they're referencing Injustice storylines is really interesting to me. Because Injustice is a recent video game, and it's like they, it, it's kind of funny where the different storylines jump the queue, sort of. And it's like, oh no, they should be doing the 1990s Justice. I don't know. I'm well, I think an example it. of that is um, like Miles Morales is yeah. like a very recent creation, right? But he seems like like they've brought him in, and he feels like an integral part of the Spider-Man story now because they chose to do that. So the films actually have power of giving importance to different storylines and that as well. Well, and like, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn came from the animated series, isn't that? Is crazy? that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, whoa. How cool is that? That is cool. Yeah. Like the one thing I will say is like I do respect like as much as like anyone loving Harley, you know, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn can be a bit corny. Like I respect that that's like actually a character. It's a cool movement. It's a character that's it's taken nice. off. They you know? created her and Joker to represent an abusive relationship and a bad relationship that was for her creation to like be like this is a relationship if you're in this relationship you need to get out of it because this is not good that's what it was used and i really couldn't i did not like this about the suicide squad that 
they weren't showing the abusive side and they were kind of romanticizing them. Like this isn't a romantic, like lovey dovey relationship. He literally tries to kill Harley all the time or just leaves her to her death. Like there's even points where he actively decides where they're like, Joker, you can only save one Batman or Harley. And he saves Batman. Cause he's like, I would be nothing without him. And he's like, and Harley's just like, I, but I love you put in and like, we're in love. And he's like, yeah. Well, you know, and Snyder does get that line in from Batman where he says, Harley Quinn wanted me to watch you. When I kill you, and I will fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> to do it slowly. Yeah. 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 The Joker in Suicide Squad is very Kid Leroy, Machine Gun Kelly. I hate you, baby, but we fight and we make up and we have crazy drugs. And yeah. It's wild. Like, just the way we love. I love it's toxic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think it was always going to be a tough, tough gig to come after if. Yeah, and it's so weird now you've got Joaquin Phoenix like kind of in this conversation as well. Even though he's playing a different character, right? But, you know. But it's like, he couldn't fit... Like, imagine him in the Snyderverse. Like, (laughs) 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 I don't know. I actually haven't seen that one. That's one of the ones I haven't done. You haven't seen Joker. It's the movie that started this podcast. But it's not (laughs) real. Did it? It's the movie that made me love film. (laughs) (laughs) As well, for people that say that they're not like superhero fans... You you guys seem quite into it. Oh, well, that was Joker a joke about the Joker. Yeah. But <laughs> I will say that Spider-Man started the pod, I would say. Because... 2002, 2004, 2007. Back in, when I saw Spider-Man 2 in cinemas, I said, we're starting a podcast. <laughs> um, but I think that we started watching films together when we watched the original Raimi trilogy in quick succession. And then we just got in the habit of watching films. And then that's kind of what started it, I think. Because I never used... I mean, I've said this before probably on the podcast. I wasn't super into like... Film wasn't my thing for a while there, but now I'm like really into it. And I think it started with Spider-Man's, which is nice. <laughs> Tangent. Back on track, sort of-ish. Well, Any I more Justice League what Snyder do you, Cut What do you comments? even say? There's so much to say. I feel like, Danny, you've probably got some takes. Oh, what would you like? <laughs> what, do you want, what do you want to be heard? I, I want to hear a criticism, you know? What, what didn't work for you about the film? There were, at some points, it was... At the beginning, there were some scenes that I was just like... It, are these necessary? I was just kind of just taking it in all. Like there were definitely like if you're going to go nitpicking, I could have lived without the Icelandic singing. Mm-hmm. I didn't need that. Like the rest of it, that was good. Some of the scenes did just drag too long. Yeah, I was like these slow-mos are good, mm. but in moderation. I don't need the movie to be like, I don't need you to bump up the runtime by just like, if mm. I just slow everything down, then I can get it to the full like hour mark. It'll, don't do that. Don't do it all the time. Otherwise, it takes away. Surely as a filmmaker, Zack Snyder's done that in every film he's ever made, right? I think that's got to be his calling. But, but that's what I mean. Mm. But surely eventually you're like, hmm, but- maybe not this one. See, like in that one, it was so obvious, but I've seen 300 and it didn't have the same, it wasn't always like it. He, he hit the right. Yeah. 300 is not like really a movie that appeals to me, but I will say that kind of, I'm thinking like it's probably the, I mean, there's obviously this is Sparta, which is the iconic one. And then there's that kind of scene where he does do the slow-mo and the zooms in on stuff like that, which is like a pretty iconic fight scene, I would say. And, like, stylistically felt pretty new at the time, I Mm. I think. I was like, this is Sparta and, like, tonight we dine in hell. And the kick, the kick 
That's... Doesn't he kick after this is Sparta or not? I reckon. Yeah, I think so. Because I just imagine... I don't know if it's a memory or... Like, oh, yeah, this um, is Sparta. I just, I just remember jet. kids kicking each other down the slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, think about that. But, like, ricocheted through because it was such a, like, visually good moment. But if he did that to every single part, it would just undermine that one yeah. bit. So, like, yeah. Especially because, like, the, you know, the Flash slow-mo scene mm. where we introduced the Flash... Is like pretty great. I think it's really good. It's really mm. good. And then you're kind of just softening the impact of that every time you have some other random character have a slow-mo moment, you know? Yeah. It's well, hard because I think it, it definitely works most of the time, but it's just too much in one film. You know? I was like, is it too much because it's one film? Is it too much because it's four hours of it? Yeah. I think Flash wins in this cut. Flash is heaps better. Miles and miles better. Yes, definitely. They did fix him up completely because he could be introduced in just this film and i'm fine with that like he didn't need he doesn't need a side movie he's kind of does he's probably not charismatic enough for one whole film to himself i think sorry you go you go at least in this i was just i just think like he's the way that they're portraying him is like kind of peter parker-ish so we're all already familiar with this this kind of character trope um that they don't need it you know what what were you gonna say i don't think like I would have liked to have seen a movie dedicated for, like, before this movie came up. I don't think they needed to do a Flash run, predominantly because there was a massive CW and his storyline is everyone knows it. They should have done, like, a solo movie. The Aquaman movie should have come out beforehand because not everyone's familiar with him. And if they are, they're familiar to a blonde-haired guy in an orange suit that... I just think rides of the, a seahorse. The SpongeBob, what Mermaid Man is how I think of Aquaman. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it, they they completely tried to rebrand it and make it more cool. So they picked the coolest guy in the world, yeah, Jason. So, and I would have liked to have seen a cyborg movie, cyborg movie solo as well, because not everyone's familiar with that before they went into the Justice League, and then I guess they could have done a bit more. I don't know done that but i guess that's more of a fault not so much on the individual people but more on like the studio heads Mm. that's not so much theirs i was gonna say barry allen is one of the rare characters that actually loves his superpowers Mm. and i don't think and it's kind of annoyed me that that, that he didn't full-on love them in that like when he gets him he's like oh my god I am so fast. This is so much fun. Like, he's like a human. Like, imagine if you could run that fast. You would be like, this is great. That's what this I, is going to change my life. That's what's cool about his powers compared to the other people's powers is that they give him actually something different, you know. And what they do in the Snyder Cup with the whole time thing is quite cool where, like, he can go so fast that he messes with the way time works and stuff like that. And it's not about him being strong. It's literally just about him being fast. So it's like... It, it actually like leads to creative. Yeah, because he's a strategic um, exactly. member of it's the team. Different. It's different. It's not playing him in a smart way. He is one of the most important things. He also causes a lot of havoc and mayhem because he can. Because sometimes he does run back and accidentally travels back in times, and that's what like the flashpoint is, and that's what the multiverse and like the timeline paradox. And that was one of the things that I hated about Endgame because I was like, you're going to steal everything else from DC. You might as well steal the cohesive form of time travel. (laughs) But no, don't do that. Wouldn't it be cool if for one of these films, like 
the plot is that a superhero fucks up and then they've got to fix it. Like, there how is. good would that be? Flashpoint. It's an animated movie. Flashpoint. He literally acts... And, like, there's a whole storyline where he goes back and he saves his mother and it completely just breaks mm, everything down. Cool. It's like the that's butterfly a, effect. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of his storyline um, when he does the individuals. Otherwise, the Flash is just literally, like, on a, on his regular days. But Batman is just quietly jealous of Barry Allen. That's why I can't always stand him. He's that's just cool. because Batman's just like, you're the you're who I want to be fighting because he's like, yep, yeah, I just stopped a bank robbery with a guy with a freeze gun. And Batman's there dealing with like a homicidal clown. And yeah. he's just like, he, the homicidal clown has just like threatening to kill half the city. And he's just like, I just stopped a guy from stealing money from a bank. Yeah. What a good day is being the Flash. And yeah, I didn't like how, like, yes, his storyline is very dark. He is, he does have a tragic origin story, but he, I wanted to see him enjoy the powers a bit more and derive joy from it, you know? Yeah. So that's criticism. And they have to like isolate him from, I think, I, I think you said that like, he's not actually this awkward guy or whatever who can't connect with people, but for some reason they feel the need to make him like that so that he would want to hang out with these like adults or whatever, you know, like he doesn't fit in or something. Mm. Maybe not necessary, you know? Yeah. He's not meant to be, like, full-on awkward. He's meant to have, like, Iris, like, Iris is well-established. He's meant to, like, have a good job with the crime scene. Like, he's, he's not, like, you know, the popular guy. But he's well-liked. He's all right. Yeah. He's all right. Not all your superheroes have to be the superest hero. Yeah. Maybe that's what hmm. is good about him so in this film. does Cyborg have any, like, love as a single like a solo player in, in like the comics and stuff. A romantic. No, no. So I just have his own comic. Love. No, no, I don't even mean that. Sorry. I worded that in a strange way. I mean, does he get any, like, does he ever have like solo comics and like his I own villains so. and stuff like that? I think so. Because like you were saying, he's mainly known through teen Titans. Yeah. Right? His main. He's new ish, right? The eighties. Maybe okay. I could be wrong. Yeah, he's predominantly gone through the Titans because he is the football star. So that's usually his foundation. So a lot of his villains are with them. I do think he does have his own comics because he is quite he he is one of the most popular Teen Titans next to Robin mm-hmm. and Robin Beast yeah. Boy. <laughs> Beast Boy, name? yeah, Beast Boy's um, popular. Raven, Raven's actually a Teen Titan. Yeah, I can't wait. They are they doing a Teen Titans movie? There's a Teen Titan TV show. Oh, like like two. the animated one. There's two. Yeah. We knew the There's one, one that I used to, we used to watch. Yeah. There was an animated one. There's... There's Teen Titans Go, which is a newer one. Mm. 2015, 14. So. There's a live action one as well. Oh, is Where there? they have... Sti- um, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Well. And that's been out? That's out? Mm-hmm. I think that one's connected to Gotham or like under the same branch. I don't know. Okay. I, I wasn't very... I didn't watch that. I... I've watched a lot of TV, but I can't watch everything. <laughs> can't watch all the superhero things. Yeah, so is this my point where I get to make fun of Cyborg, Cyborg's trauma? I feel like his trauma is a little bit underwhelming. He, he kind of mopes a lot in this film, and I know he, his life sucks, but like, I don't know. Wait, that what do you, what like, you We, we talked about this after the film. He, he kind of spends a lot of time moping, 
about this sad incident. But oh, we're comparing him, him two blaming, dead parents to one dead parent. Yeah, his, him blaming and his dad. And losing 90% of his body. His trauma sucks, <laughs> but he, he blames his dad a lot. And his dad did keep him alive. He's like, Dad, if you showed up at my football game, everyone in my life Yeah, but he's a, he's a teenager. That's the thing. He's a teenager. He's working with the maturity of a teenager, the mm. emotional intelligence. He's not going to be like, oh, yeah, you saved my life, but... I'm also 90% not even really human anymore, am I? I'm... I'd be okay with it. <laughs> but like, he's anyway. like, he he's could dunk whole... the ball. <laughs> with his whole thing legs. was like, oh, I love team sport and I love doing this um, and like playing football. And like, obviously, he can't do that. Obviously, he can't go out there. He was popular, he was like all of this. I like his voice. The actor's got a good voice. So. It's very soothing. He gets. Anyway, it's it's nice to like comparatively see him get some, uh, some love. like a storyline. Yeah, you know, he's yeah he he was owed it. Actually, like much. him in the film as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any more facts? Here's a good one. In the original, in the 2017 Whedon cut, when the film was shown in Iceland, Iceland, which uses subtitles rather than dub for films with non-Icelandic language. Jason Momoa's pronunciation of pronunciation of his single line of Icelandic was deemed so unintelligible that it had to be subtitled. <laughs> That's so funny. Pretty hilarious, and it resulted in a big laugh. Apparently, um, in the in the 2017 one, one of the Gotham scenes during the prologue has a building with Janus written on it. This is a reference to Hughes cosmetic <laughs> Hughes Cosmetics. <laughs> no, to Janus Cosmetics, which is run by Black Mask. There you have it. Um, Bruce Wayne says he was operating as Batman for 20 years in the 2017 one, which matches with the 20th anniversary of Batman and Robin. <laughs> Found that one funny. Uh, um, <laughs> I like that universe. Uh, 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 Release uh, the Schumacher cut. The next film to be co-written by Chris Terrio would be Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so this dude was wrecking homes from a, an, early, an early age. And See, I'm not the only one thinking it. Yeah. And yeah, those are all of my my trivia. Just just to highlight the differences, anti life equation. No anti life equation in the twenty seventeen. Steppenwolf getting the the last mother box just just happens in the twenty seventeen one. They're reviving Superman. It's like, hey, is that Steppenwolf over there doing the last mother box? He's just snuck in and just full on being like, oh, really weird. <laughs> it's like an ex machina of rushing the plot to the end point. It's like an anti-ex machina where they're like, oh, we need to reach a, a conclusion here. But in the mo- in the, the Snyder Cut, what happens, just to remind you, is that they... Uh, he sup- uh, Cyborg super... No, Cyborg's dad supercharges the box with laser heat to track it. That's right. So it's a sacrifice. So that's yeah. how he redeems his That makes his so much more father. sense. Yeah. Um, obviously, the reverse time thing... Steppenwolf, his whole mission is to scorch Earth in order to pay the debt to Dark Side, who banished him after a betrayal. Um, new score. We didn't talk about the music at all. Yeah. Music in the 2017 one is hilariously bad and hilariously blunt. It's just like, bit of drama. Do, 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 do. And it's like, dun, dun. One thing I will say in line with the excess of slow motion is every time one woman's on screen and they have that, Oh. <laughs> music come you know it gets a bit old i would say like i think you can do it for the amazonian stuff at the start and maybe like at the end again but 
Every time. <laughs> yeah. It was, I enjoyed the music more, but there was definitely room for improvement. Another thing that annoyed me was the CGI, like ancient Greece and that whole thing. And then the art in that Amazonian temple was really shitting me, which is like pet peeves. You should uh, work on, you know, on yeah, historical. Be a great <laughs> You're going to move to LA and do something like that. Mm. Or wrong. Um, Can you write a script, a Justice League script? Or something? Oh, uh, no. So good. <laughs> no. Imagine if you actually... Well, I guess that's what Star Wars is doing so well with Mandalorian. That's they're, a... Mm, they, well, they're just getting fans of the series to make the movies. I think stuff. that was the point that I made to you. I was like, these people need to start making these movies, not for like the general public, but for the fans, like for the hardcore fans. Because now we live in this day and era that we will now go and watch YouTube videos to like affirm what we're thinking. It'll yeah. be like, oh, is this correct? That's so I'll just true. go double yeah. check a video. And it's the nerds who love this stuff, who will nitpick everything, point out all the like Easter eggs and everything for you and literally tell you whether or not to like or dislike this movie. <laughs> mm. So make it for the hardcore fans now and they should actually invest. And I think that's what they're doing now with Star Wars. They're like stepping back and taking some time. And I think that's what they're also doing with Harry Potter as well. They're just taking back and all the other issues with Harry Potter. <laughs> um, they're just stepping Have back. They just in. shelved those films for a while. Is that what's happened? They were taking their time with, Harry Potter because the last movie had such bad things and then also all the other mm. issues also made it shelve it. Well, that would have impacted even this longer. Film. Yeah. Well. And it yeah, it would have impacted this one as well. And it's still impacting Aquaman as well. And whether or not well, she was in the epilogue scene, though. Yeah, she was. Which makes me wonder if, like, he brought her back in because or... They must have. Yeah. But I'm not sure because she still was rocking, like, the English accent and, like, the lighter red hair. Yeah, say that again. So she has different accents. In the mm-hmm. And the later one, she has her American one and she has, like, deep red hair. like fiery red not just ginger wait so what she's british in snyder yeah she has like a rp formal accent which was quite striking and i was like oh all right i think that's the timer yeah we got caught (laughs) the timer was set for three hours tonight apparently (laughs) rather than the usual one all right um so uh we'll start with you tom what worked for you with this film what worked? The action sequences, they, have a, they cut a good DC style in this film. They have a unique style that's not Marvel. And the, the scale of the fights and stuff is perfectly honed. Well, much better honed in this film than it was in any of the other ones. The punches have weight. The action is visual. Um, it's just cool like that. Uh, I like... I think Barry's a big winner in this film, as I kind of referenced before. I like his flash stuff. I always liked when he was going fast. And it's a good opportunity for gags and for um, just scenes and bits and stuff like that. It's good. Um, Obviously, what works is comparatively, like, 
less dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the grade. I like. I think it's symbolic of what this film's about. It's going, you know, we're not trying to do the same thing. We're cutting our own cloth here, and it's just, it's just stylized. I think the the winner, the winning part of this film is that it's stylized. It feels like one person's vision. It feels like one person's interpretation. And whether you like it completely or not, you're at least going. And I know it's kind of tied into the folklore of it now, but it is like such a style. There, there aren't superhero movies that are like this before it completely, you know. Never have they committed to a four-hour movie, essentially, is the punchline. Um, uh, the epicness of um, Steppenwolf and the threat he poses is good and works. Um, the bat crawler thing's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's another thing like batman in these justice league movies he just starts like it's never just batman it's usually batman with a big machine yeah because he's like how is he gonna fight i need a ship yeah and i like when they cut off stefan wolf said all right danny what worked for you i like the stylization and i did like how it was one vision i like how it almost felt a bit more like a comic book and that it was completely different to Marvel. I liked how they actually fleshed out the characters that hadn't been discussed. I also liked the appearance I of Matt of Martian Manhunter. I also enjoyed that I felt like the characters were closer to the original source material and they embodied the more traditional ideas like Barry not as awkward, Cyborg being they actually honed in a bit more on his intellect because he's not just a superstar athlete. I forgot to mention, he's also has genius level IQ. So they actually the yeah. don't know. <laughs> they just call him genius level Sorry. IQ. Um, to call back to part one of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, they actually like delve into that bit more that he's not just, yeah, he's very complicated. I thought that was good. I enjoyed Superman being you know, having a bit more, just not coming back to life and being like, oh, I really like living. <laughs> oh, that storyline. <laughs> like, I enjoyed that Aquaman was not just like being like hard with drinking whiskey and like with the heavy music, but he was actually a bit more like, can you respect the sea? And like, you would have a bit more deep respect if you grew up in it and could be around it. And yeah, but Batman not being a bumbling idiot. And I feel like Wonder Woman was the most same from the past cut to this plot. Yeah. Yeah, she they was... They do have this like other plot in the other one where she's like... Ben Affleck's like, you know, you need to be a leader. And she's like, oh, I can't be a leader because... Which is a bit weird in the first one. Yeah, that was that was stupid and very out of character for both of them and him trying to like irk her up and her being like resistant because she is always the one who's forward and it's like, yes, we must do this. Yes, we must help the people. This is why I've left the mascara to help mankind. So it was weird that she just didn't feel like doing that. Yeah, I'm just going to throw in a I- dig at Whedon where it does feel like he is like trying to undermine all the women in the film for some reason. That's Whedon though. Yeah, because there's that, which doesn't make much sense. And then there's also this scene where Lois is like to Superman, oh, I wasn't strong while you were gone. I'm so sorry. And he's like, it was okay. You did the best you could. And it's like, what does that even mean? It's so dumb. Mm, I just yeah. zoned out for stretches of the Whedon cut. To be I'm honest. just not a fan. Whedon's cancelled. Yeah. Play the cancelled song. <laughs> I'm not making, I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else? 
yeah, that's it. There's definitely always room for improvement. I didn't think it was perfect. Well, but this is the next question, which is like, what would you change? The length. I loved it, but like, maybe it, it didn't probably need, it could have been done in like three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> what would you have done with your extra half hour? Gone to bed half an hour earlier. Uh, yeah. This got to a stage of the film where Nick and I are both falling asleep. Not like out of, you know, dislike or any savagery. It was just 1am. And then we were trying to just shove our faces with sugary snacks to stay awake. And then at once, and by the end I was standing up at the back, tapping my foot rather than sitting on the couch because I was getting too yeah, comfortable. I was pinching myself yeah. to, the, to the point where I actually really hurt. <laughs> Woke up with bruises. <laughs> Yeah, what else it didn't... I mean, we, yeah, if you want to add anything else that didn't work. What, what would you change? change? Sorry, yeah. Not just Jesse Eisenberg, different villain. You have a cast. Justin Timberlake, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually. I think they almost should have, like, got someone who, like, we've seen before, but don't Tom know Hardy? Who do you play? Lex nah. Luthor? Matt Damon. No, just, you just keep throwing people out there. Yeah, I want to. You're not even okay, thinking yeah. about it. Um, I'm just trying. Who's young and in the? That's why I said Tom Hardy. I feel like Tom Hardy wouldn't be. I that think bad, you would always want. Yeah, you don't want to go too old. You don't want him to be like fifty or sixty. You do actually kind of want him to be forty. You want him to be of. I'm thinking about the comics now. I'm like, you do want him to be just as big and imposing as like Batman and Superman because they're both like meant to be six foot four and huge. Superman's meant to be like Chris Evans. Nah. Are we just like, like imagining yeah. people in our head and then like pitching nah. bald? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and I would definitely, even though it was a minute, tiny little part, I definitely would have fixed um, Deathstroke's hair. I was not living for that <laughs> hair. I was like, I am not here for the Mohawk and <laughs> that mustache. Ugh. Just from a style perspective. <laughs> Tom, what would you change? Uh. As I said, I I wouldn't. I guess I would be. This is personal preference. I think I'd like the film maybe more through Batman's perspective. <laughs> Just because I love Batman. Um, I think that the the clock of the film didn't completely work for me. I think the the chronology and the the time pressure, the dramatic suspense relating to time, could have been executed a bit better. It felt like stuff sort of happened and then it wasn't related to the bit. Like there was no like countdown towards when he was going to get all the things assembled. I didn't feel the time pressure as a viewer. Um, uh, what else? I, I would like to understand, as I said earlier, again, the global scale of this film. Like I would have liked to have had an understanding of where things were happening in relation to each other a bit better. And I just, it just felt like stuff was happening. And then like he was setting up his base somewhere and, I didn't understand where the base was in relation to the superheroes, like if it was far or near. Like they just popped in the bat ship and went there. Uh, my like it. They're sort of criticisms that are more broad-ish, because like as a superhero film, I like a lot of stuff about it, but it's just not. Well, maybe okay. I would have liked some cooler cinematography. I would have liked them to have gone for some cool shots a bit more, but they're not going to. Maybe. There was be- the there weren't some like of the whack shots that there were in um the other one like there were these weird doll like they said a lot of the the Whedon one in like this brown wooden room for Bruce Wayne and it was really ugly and it didn't match the Bruce Wayne appeal at all maybe yeah maybe some more Batcave I like the Batcave um put it behind a waterfall and stuff like that that's always cool 
Cool. Those are some mm. suggestions. All right. What would you rate it? I want Danny to go first if I can. All right. Danny, you want to go first? I just feel like I'm letting down Danny this whole pod, this whole part of the podcast just because I've been saying shit. <laughs> I don't think this movie is perfect. I think this movie is just important. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a... F- just follow your heart. Like a four. four I'm going to give it a four because I enjoyed it. I really did. Will I watch it again? Maybe. Will I watch it again tomorrow? No. I don't have a spare You'll watch hours. it again, won't you? Yeah, of course I will. <laughs> I I'll, I'll need to I'll watch, watch it, it again. again and like, yeah, I'd like to watch it again. And I need to see... Soak it all in. It's not. Um, it was just so different. But I love how important and what this movie can stand for, and how it can shape the future of cinema and streaming, and what can be done to a film. I like that the fans managed to get this going. I like the movie itself. There are things about it that I would maybe fix. Like, yeah, it's too long. Some of the slow-mo, it gets tedious. Some of the music choices is a bit much at points. But in a whole, it did do fan service well. And I was happy for that. There's always rooms to improve. I didn't think it was perfect. Yeah, cool. Are you brave enough to make your call now? Yes. You know, hope and fear lead to many different things. <laughs> and as individuals, we encounter these in different ways. In the age ways. of heroes. Um, I'm giving it three stars. It, I liked it. Um, there's a lot of good movies out there in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not your favourite. This isn't necessarily one that is going to overtake other films. I, I think I'd like to see a, a really artsy filmmaker make a superhero movie. That would probably... Like, I want to see the Safdie brothers do Batman. Yeah, that would be cool. And I know it's because of Rob Pat that I'm saying that, but that would be really good. Like Those are the tensest filmmakers. Like You can apply... Um, I just want to see more filmmaking technique and I mm. like that this did have a sense of filmmaking technique because of Snyder but um, yeah just the issues I had like moment to moment suspense wasn't there for me uh, it, like it, it ramped up and ramped down there were fight scenes that were really epic but then there were bits between the fight scenes that weren't as engaging for me um, and I just like wasn't completely invested in every character all the time more the peripheral characters I was less interested in but you know, there were great moments and I, I like what it is and I thought there were cool uh, beats and stuff like that. And I like the, I, as I said, I like the style of it, but then there were also like sets I would change. Um, I didn't love how like the Barry running around the thing, I, I like I liked that scene and how he, he runs so fast that the box comes back up. The like the spaceship design, I would have maybe designed a little differently and, and just stuff like that. I don't know, I'm being picky, but yeah. Cool. Um, I am going to give it a three and a half. I had a lot of fun watching this. Um, it's like as a film, it's, there's no, it has no business being four hours long, but it's like it's not something that happens a lot and I enjoyed the experience of watching it. There's lots of good stuff in there. And to be honest, there's not like that much that I actually hated. It was all just kind of like, wow, this is so much information and so much of one thing that I'm just going to let myself be taken away with it. And I I don't know, there's like lots of good action in it. There's lots of good moments and scenes. Too much slow motion is the big thing. Too much uh, Wonder Woman's theme got kind of annoying, like I said before. (laughs) 
Um, there was a cool little Nick Cave needle drop in there, which I enjoyed. But yeah, I mean, it's just like a unique thing. And I think it's fun. And I think that I would recommend it to people to watch. And I would definitely watch it again, you know. Um, and it makes me want to watch another Snyder Justice League movie or something like that, to be honest. So, you know, I'm glad it exists. It was pretty fun to watch, you know. Yeah. So what happens next? Predictions for the future of DC? I think that they will hopefully um I did hear that snack snack. I'll just <laughs> chuck his <laughs> Zach Snyder like snack Zyder. <laughs> I'm just reading Zach and Snyder and I was like the dyslexia was just like snack. Um Zach is kind of done with this, I've heard, because right. of just all of which is understandable because yeah. of like what happened and the trauma connected to it. And then all of this fan stuff and like fans are so intense and so harsh and the stuff that they put out there that is just like, I just need to get away and he needs to move on with his life. For sure. Yeah. But there's tons of other people out there that can do good stuff. And we haven't burnt out yet. <laughs> that we haven't ripped to shreds. So yeah, I do think they might just, Hopefully this is the part where they now let's stop trying to do what Marvel does. Let's yes. just I'm excited for that. At this the very has least. reinvigorated the universe, absolutely right. You know? Oh yeah. And they would they would be silly not to do something more. It like financially, surely it makes doesn't make any sense not to at least have another crack at another movie, right? Mm. Because, you know, as much as it's tied to Snyder, it just like as long as you make it look like you're following the vision, then I think that they would sell a lot of tickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just Batman RPAT success. I've, yeah, I feel good about it. Is it going to be Robert like... Robert Pattinson. Oh, uh, no, I am, I'm excited for is that. Is there going to be a bunch of... Is there going to be a phase of... A trilogy of RPAT movies? Don't know. I don't know if I can be bothered with a trilogy. Colin Farrell, good cast. Well, who is he? I think he's the ping. Or... Huge. Huge. Colin, oh, the penguin. He's a penguin. I'm He's a penguin. Colin Farrell. Let's watch that after this, actually. The trailer. Oh, Batman. Yeah, no, I'm very excited because Robert Patterson is a very good actor. I think and he's I the think, next guy. I think he can do it. Yeah. And I'm interested to see because there's this whole multiverse and, um, yeah, this whole Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 44 and 48 and all of this stuff that the DC world does really well and that's how they're going to incorporate it, that he's from a different planet. And I'm just interested how they're going to put, if they're going to, put Rob Patterson's Batman into the pre-existing Justice League. I'm, I'm curious and excited for that. He might not have more standalone Batman movies, but I think he will definitely, if it goes well, he'll be a present in all in other movies. Interesting. Okay, I didn't even think that far ahead. And how does this relate to Todd Phillips' The Joker? Does it? Do we get a sequel? I could imagine to Joker. I mean, I hope not. Like, what are you going to do with that? That's the beauty of DC. They can just be like, oh, we can do this and this can just be on Earth 18. That's what I've always thought. That's why they should throw creative directors at this stuff and just make movies because people 
I think, want to see that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we should be there, but we're not. And people talk like we're there. And people say, you know how people critique the superhero stuff. And they say, Taika Waititi is and, a, and they say that, or oh, Chua, and he and, made yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Exactly. And they say, you know, this is just the way that storytelling works. It's the new gangster film. It's like, yeah, but we're not actually there yet where people are doing crazy shit with their superhero movies. They're still very safe. And, you know, mm. so maybe in five years that'll happen. Hopefully. Hopefully DC can be the pioneer of it because I can't see Marvel doing that. They'll just milk it for all their, all all it's worth. So hopefully DC does it and it just goes for it. Is every movie ever from now on going to be a superhero movie? I well, hope not. Besides <laughs> Social Network too. But then that ultimately is going to tie into the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'm calling it. Cool. It's bedtime. Yep. Plugs. <laughs> um, Danny. Plug your podcast because you haven't plugged it on this one yet. So my podcast is with my close friend, Bella. Um, It is called Big Thoughts, Little Mine, and it is a history podcast. And two non-experts will try to create weekly summaries that are somewhat coherent about different historical things. That's pretty much it. What would you say your genius number is? Uh, scale, your genius number on a scale, a scale from zero to Lex Luthor 11. Uh, what, like my IQ? Yeah. Oh, don't and how does it know. relate to Bella? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to think about that because like, it's always going to be lower than what you want it to be. <laughs> Isn't it? Just I'm by nature. <laughs> uh, nowhere close to Lex Luthor at all. Um but yeah, no, it's just a bit of fun where we just get to learn some history facts, 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 and chew the fat, basically. Mm. That's the stick. That was a good save. All right, what are we plugging? We got to plug a bit of Love Cut, you know, Tom Shotty's film on the weekend. Woo. It's going to be good. Yeah, get keen. Uh, you probably won't see it for a while, but when you do see it, just I'm going to re-release it <laughs> as the... the the two Tony All cut. the film, you know, experimentation you were missing in Justice League. You know where you're going to find it. <laughs> I'm doing, actually, I'm going to do more slow motion than the, the Snyder Cut did. I was very inspired by that. So get excited. All right. Um, follow us on Instagram. I'm Good Brother. Follow us on YouTube, Letterboxd. Yeah, search Ego Our Podcast on YouTube and you'll find us. And then, yes, please follow us on Letterboxd and engage and we'll talk to you. I am a little silky, L-I-L, S-A-L-K-Y. So lonely. Yeah. Um, cool. Thanks for coming on, Danny. This was Thank a... You. Thank you for having me. It was a journey. Gargantuan <laughs> effort. I mean, we've split it, but this is very much our longest pod ever in one sitting. So yes. glad we made it. It was a good time. Hopefully you enjoyed my presence and I haven't made too much of a fool of myself. And I, oh, I did just double check. Cyborg did appear in the 80s, 80, 1980. All right. So just cool. like Cyborg, and this has been another classic. <laughs> another classic or a fresh one. If we knew what we wanted, you'd be useless. Tell us what's in, tell us who's done. Another anti.